in whatever type of business you're involved in, if you can get to that place of, of letting go and creating a not to do list, those are the things you, you least like, right? The things you prefer not to do. So you procrastinate and you put them off to the very end. Imagine life that that's our, you wake up and it's already done for you that either a virtual assistant was doing that for you, you know, in the, in, during the nighttime hours and you wake up and it's done. I think that that's when you can, you can kind of see the largest patterns of growth for people because those other things are draining you and are giving you reason to like negative self-talk and, Oh, I suck at this. And and you, and that frustration element then impacts everything. So if you can just stay out of that frustration because someone else is doing it for you, it's worth all the money in the world. Hello, and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. The following is an excerpt from an email I received recently from a woman named Carol. Carol wrote, I am a 61-year-old woman who has figured out that ADHD is the bingo of most of my issues. Since this is later in life and I live in a big rural area, podcasts help me learn and reduce the what's wrong with me impact. Carol, I love that bingo card analogy. It really does feel like so many seemingly unrelated struggles in our lives can be traced back to ADHD, which is why I think so many of us feel like this diagnosis is life-changing and so profound at any age, but especially when we're so well into adulthood and think, how did we go this long not knowing about this? How did nobody see the signs? (sighs) So thank you, Carol. I am so glad you were able to find this podcast and that these interviews with these amazing women are helping you as much as they are helping me. Speaking of amazing women, here we are at episode 27 in which I interview Rebecca Del Pozo. Rebecca is a real estate agent who lives with her family in British Columbia, and she's learned to reframe her ADHD and use it to her advantage as a business owner, and she coaches others to do the same. Rebecca has been an entrepreneur since 2003 when she founded her first business, a top producing real estate team in the Pacific Northwest. Today, Rebecca runs multiple ventures and revenue streams. She's a published author, speaker, coach, and instructor, providing continuing education and professional development courses to real estate agents and business owners. Now, I will warn you, there are some crackling sound issues with Rebecca's microphone in the very beginning, so I wanted to apologize in advance for that and let you know that it does go away after the first few minutes. So please hang in there if you find it a bit frustrating to listen to in the beginning. And if you are an entrepreneur looking to grow your income streams, I think you will really benefit from Rebecca's advice and her wisdom in this interview. Enjoy. Uh, but let's start out. You have, sounds like you have an incredible story as an, as a grown up. Um, so tell me when you first thought that you might actually have ADHD and what were some of these clues and connections you made? And then what finally led to your diagnosis and how long ago was that? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I think looking back, I, I want to say that I was in my mid twenties and it's because I had gotten into real estate and I was having business conversations with some really high producing, um, you know, top producing real estate agents. And one of them blurted out like, Oh, I, I check every box, you know, as, as having ADD. And I was like, huh, wonder, it was almost like at that point, my awareness, it wasn't even something that had ever been brought up before. And 
so when they said that, I remember, I remember going online back then it was ask Jeeves. Do you remember Jeeves? Ask oh yeah. <laughs> so for, for younger listeners, that's uh, what we used before, you know, Google existed. Um, and so I kind of looked it up and started doing some research and I was like, oh, that's, that's me. Like I check every one of those boxes and I dug a little further and it was like, oh, this light bulb moment. I'm dyslexic <laughs> and I didn't know it. And I was probably 20, I don't know, 25, 26 years old. And, and so at that point, everything just kind of shifted because one, I didn't feel alone anymore. And it was like, these are some of the reasons why I've had a difficult time expressing myself or explaining myself. So um, it, it was later in life. So tell me about the dyslexia. What, how did you realize that you yeah, had dyslexia? Well, it was the same thing. I just kept, I'm, I've always been hungry for knowledge. I've always been someone who loved learning. I just didn't like school. And it was like, looking back now, it made perfect sense. So I, I was born and raised in Abbotsford, BC, up in Canada. And my parents loved me that, so much that they put me into French immersion. And, and so looking back now, everything just started to like, click, 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 click. No wonder I struggled because one, I've got this disability and I'm trying to learn French at school during the day, speaking English at home at, at night. And I look back and I go, no wonder I felt like I was struggling all the time. And, um, and so for me, it was like, I find, yeah, it was like this light bulb moment of, oh, I'm not totally broken. I can now research this and, and look into this because I love to learn. I just did not appreciate or didn't feel that school, the way it's structured, was really helping me learn, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I feel like that could be the ADHD uh, tagline, you know, mm -hmm. I love learning, but mm -hmm. I hate school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's, I think that was probably our shared experience for, yeah. for all of us. And that we are lifelong learners, mm -hmm. for sure. Okay, so then walk me through, after your diagnosis, you, you said you're a single mom of three, and you were dyslexic and divorced and in crazy debt. And what turned around for you? So... Um, well, everything, it really, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it, it, it really was like, this is my opportunity. This, this divorce that could have equaled death, according to the way I was raised growing up, divorce equals death and all the limiting beliefs of single mom struggle, right. And they're on welfare and they can't, you know, can't buy their own houses and all these, all these things that were floating around in my, in my mind, I just was like, no, like I refuse all these things. I'm going to choose to look at divorce equals reset and I'm going to reset and I'm going to recalibrate and I'm going to go at this with just a whole new, uh, a whole new outlook. And I'm going to, uh, looking back, I, I think I've always had this mentality when you want something go do that something or go be that something for someone. So for instance, in your business, like if you want more Facebook business page reviews or more Google reviews, go give a few 
Facebook reviews and Google reviews and see how you feel by giving and see what it does to the person that you reviewed and, and see how that deepens the relationship. And so looking back now, I decided, no, divorce equals reset. Divorce equals single mom is going to succeed and um, she's going to become a millionaire real estate mom. And I just kind of went the opposite direction and said, this is it. This is going to be when I look back and say, this is a defining moment. Let me surround myself with other moms that are struggling the same as me. And let's go find a few that have overcome. And how did they do that? And, and let's get on with things. And how, looking back, how do you feel like your ADHD helped you in that situation? All the things, right? (laughs) The scatterbrained, (laughs) the scatterbrained glory of like, all the things like, oh my gosh, I need a Facebook group and we need to get together and I'm going to do interviews and panels. And, um, like, I'm going to write a book about this and I'm going to, I'm going to blog about this and I'm going to, anyone breathing is going to hear my story. And I'm, this is, you know, all the things. (laughs) And so, um, in that kind of way, I see it as the impulsiveness has become a gift because I take action. I don't just talk about stuff. I don't just dream about it. And I'm a good dreamer. Like I'm a, I have a very vivid, active imagination. Um, But like we make it happen. I'm the, I'm the go doer. And, um, and I think that's the gift of, of ADHD is there, there is this impulsiveness to, I heard something new and I know that statistics say, if I go take even just the baby step in the next 24 hours, I'm more likely to succeed as I, t- as I start that little baby step on that path or journey. And, and so looking back now, I see it as a gift. And I absolutely see it as a gift. And I will say that in, in joining you know, these particular Facebook groups where it's celebrated, it's really, um, it's made a profound impact on my self-talk and how I view myself even in the last, I felt it, like even in the last three, four months of joining some of these groups where we're talking and celebrating and going, do you feel this way too? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have found my tribe. Oh yes. I know, you know, as I've been interviewing women, this topic comes up over and over again, which is how we, you know, how incredibly wonderful it feels when you you know, not only do you sort of get this diagnosis, but then you find other women and you feel seen and you feel like you've found your people. And it's just this overwhelming sense of under feeling understood and feeling validated and how much that means to us having grown up feeling the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing we hadn't talked about, which I love that you bring up is how we celebrate all of these things about ourselves that we used to think were failures. And mm-hmm. and now we've been able to really flip that script for ourselves and, and how important that is, especially as entrepreneurs and businesswomen, um, yeah. to be able to flip that self-talk. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's something we probably all very privately struggled with a lot because it's not mm-hmm. something you tend to be very vulnerable about within your business. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I would actually even suggest that I'm not sure if it's the 
impulsivity or maybe it's a short-term memory thing, but the way in which you were able to sort of look at divorce as a reset and pick yourself up and move on, I think is also a characteristic of ADHD where we are able to kind of pivot and shift and move and reinvent at a very rapid speed. And we don't tend to get bogged down by, you know, old, old issues that, you know, we, we don't, um, we don't tend to like mull for a long time. That's what I'm looking for. Absolutely. It's that analysis paralysis that people talk about. And I can't, I cannot relate. I'm like, nope, that's not happening in this brain. (laughs) I have already stormed ahead with all 12 ideas I had this day today. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that has definitely been a gift in my own life too, which is really, you know, um, being able to get over things very quickly that I might have been momentarily embarrassed by or disappointed by. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, but I think that's also just like self-preservation because I screw up a lot and you got to move on. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then I think all the things like that kind of that quote or what people say, you know, like all the things, um, that's one of the reasons why I think I love um, that I've found real estate as this career path for me personally, that has really checked all the boxes when it comes to the variety of homes, the variety of clients, the variety of personality types that I, I can, you know, sell houses by day and, you know, do training and coaching in the evenings. And, you know, it just, I love the variety. I'm a, I'm a real estate agent. I'm all these things. It's like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't give me one word title. Cause I, I'm all the things, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. I, um, I live about an hour and a half outside of New York city in the Hudson Valley in New York. And so in March, when the pandemic hit and it hit really, really bad in New York, everybody was leaving New York. And so the real estate, you know, the real estate prices in our area just like spiked. And I remember thinking like, wow, this is a great time to be a real estate agent. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, I think I'd be really good at that. Like I've been, (laughs) I have been like deep diving into uh, becoming a real estate agent because I do like, I think that it is very much in tune with the ADHD brain and kind of why I always loved journalism and why I think a lot of ADHDers are teachers. And, you know, I, I don't know if it falls in the list of ideal jobs for people with ADHD, but it definitely should because you're able to do a lot of deep dives and research and absolutely. It absolutely does. And one of the gifts that came over the last four years is that I stepped into a recruiting role and I got to be almost like that functioning HR department. And so I, I, I have a free assessment that you can take that says specifically in real estate, what positions and what roles within real estate, whether it be a loan officer or real estate agent or transaction coordinator, virtual assistant, like which roles are going to play to your strength zones and really kind of bring you energy. And I will say that it, it absolutely is true that people with this gift um, can thrive because they do know how to very quickly pivot or shift, you know, in a moment um, in, in their communication style and in their thinking and attitudes. Um, it's definitely a pro 
in my opinion. And there's so many moving parts too. And I think we thrive when there's a lot of moving parts. We thrive mm-hmm. with that kind of busyness. The one thing that has kept me from pursuing it with any seriousness is the fact that I am very worried about having to pretend to be nice to people if I don't like them, because that's <laughs> something I've struggled with my whole life, which is like, <laughs> if I don't like initially, if I'm not initially drawn to you, I have a really hard time pretending to like you. <laughs> And I feel like that's got to be important for real estate agents. That's interesting. That's interesting. So that's like the one thing that I'm like, ah, gosh, I'm not sure if I could do that. I can help you with that. (laughs) (laughs) What's the secret there? Well, because I always say to people, I'm horrible at math, but the math I'm really good at is commission sales percentages. And so if I know that by serving that person, even if I don't quote unquote, like resonate with them or like, like them, um, I know that by serving them well is going to get me to my end goal, which means, you know, bringing in the dough and then funding my dreams, I can learn to like them. <laughs> ah, see, I totally relate to that. You're, you're like, I found my motivation. I keep mm-hmm. my eye on the prize. I do what it takes. Yeah. See, okay. Yep. That makes sense to me now. I can get that. Raise your hand if you're really good with your diet for a few days or weeks, but you always end up sabotaging your own efforts. Or you fear having certain foods in the house because you feel like you lack the self-control to avoid them when they're there. Or you feel like everyone but you has this whole eating and exercise thing figured out and you just want to scream, what is wrong with me? Well, guess what? You are not alone. In my book, Worth It, A Journey to Food and Body Freedom, I share with you my own history with yo-yo dieting and binge eating from my very first diet at the age of 14 to the nearly 30 years I spent on a merry-go-round of weight loss and weight regain. I also share with you the six essential steps that helped me to finally break free from diet culture and rediscover my health and my self-worth. If you are ready to break free from dieting and binge eating cycle for good and heal your relationship with food and your body, head to worthitwithkatie.com to get your copy of my Worth It book today. All right. So let's switch for a minute. Are you on medication? Have you ever been on medication? I am not and, and have not. No. Okay. Have you ever, what was your reasoning? Um, that's a great question. Um, I didn't feel like it was something that was making such a huge impact that I needed to, to go and and research it. Um, I'm open to it. You know, if it came to a, a, I decided that I was going to go and and research the ways to naturally kind of organize in a way that made sense for my brain and surround myself with people that are really good at what I'm not and and kind of go that route first um, and found huge relief that way and so haven't really felt that it's impacted um, impacted my life in such a way that I need to yet. I feel like I've spent most of my life coming up with workarounds and Mm -hmm. hacks that work for me now. And so when, when a woman says that this medication is, has been a godsend or it's really working for her, I'm so curious, like, what Mm -hmm. does that mean? And, and is there an optimization that I'm missing out on that I Mm -hmm. I that I could implement? I'm not sure yet. I still, I'm still on the fence. So Mm -hmm. I'm not against them. I'm not for them. I'm just sort of 
I'm like, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I can't function without them at the, at this point. I but agree. Then I also think maybe I don't know how good it could be. I don't yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so what have been some of your favorite ADHD resources? I know we talked about the group and how wonderful it's been, but, um, you know, what are, what are, are there any books or podcasts or websites that really helped you in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that I, I've really seen as a gift in my life is the one thing, the one thing podcast and the one thing book and the kick-ass guide to goal setting through the one thing. It's a, a book that was written for, for anyone and everyone. Uh, it's not even really business related. It's just how to train your brain to think in such a way that what's the one thing that by doing it is going to either make everything else easier or unnecessary. And so I use that method in my personal life, in my spiritual life, in my relationships, in my business, like in all, in all the ways. And I've really found that it, it's helped bring clarity. So the one thing.com and, and the podcast has, has really been um, very impactful for me. I think the other thing I've learned over the years is leverage, leverage through tools, like we're talking about apps or people. And the people aspect of it is where the biggest impact has been made. The, soon, the sooner that someone can identify that these are my strengths, this is what I do, it brings me joy and energy, and I really shine and I almost do it and don't even realize I'm doing it. And people go, wow, how did you do that? Or how did you say that? Or how did you remember that? If I can stay in that zone for as much of my day as possible, um, happy, it's, a, it's, a happy, it's a happy life. So if I can now find other people that are wired differently than me, kind of almost opposite to the things that I don't enjoy doing, um, I've found that in my incredible business partner and executive assistant and virtual assistants along the way where like people enjoy Excel spreadsheets, like who knew, right? Like who I would get overwhelmed. And then it was like, Oh wow. No, like look at the gift that this Excel spreadsheet can be to my life. If, if I don't have to actually use it, <laughs> I can tell someone what to put into it and I can tell them what I want it to do for me. Um, so for me, I would say, that leverage through people and then being able to celebrate together has been the most meaningful um, for me. Do you think it's an ADHD quality to sort of have that tendency to want to do everything by yourself and figure it out by yourself? I think initially, yes. I think we, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've learned over the years that uh, I think as human beings, when we want to do something, our brain immediately asks, how do I do that? How? Right? And what I've learned is the technique of scrambling up those letters and asking who. Who has already done what it is I want to do? Who has what I want to have? And then reach out to them and follow them and, 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 and ask them. And say, hey, can I, you know, can I set up a Zoom date? Can I grab you coffee sometime? Can I treat you to lunch? And and just get to know them. And you'll find that more often than not, people love to talk about themselves and they'll share. 
and they'll tell you. And then all of a sudden you've just catapulted yourself, not just a few baby steps. You've literally jumped into that dream or into that thing that you were wanting to learn or the, the person you were wanting to become. So don't ask the question, how scramble up the letters and ask who, and then all of a sudden you're going to, that's a life hack, right? You're going to move forward a lot quicker that way. I think that's great advice. I think it's really important. I might have to tattoo it on my forehead because, <laughs> uh, because I think we are so puzzle oriented that we want, you know, we immediately think, how can I solve this from, from point A to point B? And yet mm-hmm. you're, it's true. Like the other thing I think that has been so important to me in my own journey since this diagnosis is realizing all of the ways in which I need help. I need coaching. I need mm-hmm. my hand held and that mm-hmm. that's okay. That's going to get me where I need to go. Uh, but there's so much that like, I need to stop thinking that I'm somehow going to figure out how to do this on my own and, and just figure out the, who's going to help me get done what I need to get done. Right. Yeah. Who actually enjoys those things because they do, <laughs> yes. right. And so the thing is, is that even if in, in, in whatever type of business you're involved in, if, if you can get to that place of, of letting go and creating a not to do list, that's the job description of that person. Those are the things you you least like, right? The things you prefer not to do. So you procrastinate and you put them off to the very end. So what? imagine life that that's our, you wake up and it's already done for you. That either a virtual assistant was doing that for you, you know, in the, in, during the nighttime hours and you wake up and it's done or that it's not even on your to-do list. It's on someone else's to-do list. Um, I think that that's when you can you can kind of see the largest patterns of growth for people because those other things are draining you and are giving you reason to like negative self-talk and oh I suck at this and and you and that frustration element then impacts everything. So if you can just stay out of that frustration because someone else is doing it for you, um it's worth all the money in the world to to budget and to bring someone on part-time to help get that off your plate. Ah, yes. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. So I'm trying to keep up. You, you have five businesses. You're how many ventures are you running it right now? You've got your real estate team in the Pacific Northwest, but you also are running four additional, additional ventures, correct? I've got quite a few, honestly. I'd have to kind of slow. In my language, I call them income streams. Um, uh-huh. You know, the the statistics say that the wealthiest of the world have at least seven income streams. And that, I don't remember, do you know what the number is of how many need to be passive? I think it's two or three need to be I have no idea. passive versus active. So anyway, I heard this thing and I was like, hmm, okay. Well, uh, yeah, I, I want to start making that my my annual goal. And I'm going to just track how many income streams I have. And in my line of work, um, we start off day one with four, there's four income stream opportunities. And so from that, I started and really got serious and then just kept building in it almost kind of (laughs) about you, but like you gamify things in your brain. Like I, I think I, I played too much super Mario brothers growing up, but like I literally will go, um, okay, this is like speed round the last 30 seconds of this, this level, I got to like, get, get further along. And so 
I have now um, set it up in such a way that there are, I think there's eight or nine and I'm working on the next two for January. And so some bring in just a couple hundred dollars a year, but it's totally passive. Others I'm actively involved and um, I have to visit often and, and it, it is directly connected to me going on appointments or meeting with people. So I'm very passionate about income streams and, um, and that, like I said, that's the variety that I absolutely love. I love it. And then you're coaching others and helping them with your insight. What kind of clients do you work with? Yeah. So my ideal client is someone who's passionate about passive income. And eventually they say, hang around Rebecca long enough and you will get your real estate license. Um, because you'll see that this is, this is the way like this, it's kind of a no brainer when, when you break it down and look at the opportunity of building wealth, either through selling real estate, referring real estate agents around the world or referring business to real estate agents around the world or becoming a real estate investor. And so that's then the path that's made sense for me. And so then I love to share and, and tell other people to, to get on with it and join me in all the fun. And your children, are any of them diagnosed? Um, so I have three kids. Um, the two older kids I adopted and then my youngest, uh, Bella is the one I birthed. My middle daughter, um, was diagnosed and on medication and, um, and continues to be so. And then my older is not. I feel like there's something nice about realizing that as one, you know, being diagnosed as an adult and now looking and sort of realizing how much I personally struggled in my schooling and as a Mm -hmm. child, and now I can go back and help my children, but my son, especially who I'm pretty sure has it, but hasn't been diagnosed yet. I think Mm -hmm. like, I feel like there's a sense of redemption there where I can, (laughs) I can make his path better uh, with all these things I've learned for myself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting too. You look back and you can kind of see patterns like some of them I'm not so proud of. Like, you know, the fact that impulsivity showed up in like boyfriend, boyfriend, a boyfriend, a boyfriend, or um, job hopping or, um, you know, just kind of impulsive decisions to like pack up and move and go here. But again, like I, I look back and I go, man, some of those were just gifts. They were, they were gifts. They were you know, they looked impulsive, but they were adventures that, that really did kind of help me along in my journey. And, and so I look back and I'm like, I, I, I don't know that there's really regret anymore. It's, these are all things I learned from. So, and, um, so how could somebody find you if they wanted to work with you? So there's a couple of ways I, I really do hang out most on Facebook. I have the millionaire real estate mom Facebook page. So the millionaire real estate mom page. And, um, and then if you Google me, Rebecca Del Pozo on Google, it will pop up and I've got real careers worldwide.com as another website, uh, that just specifically offers, you know, kind of that roadmap to getting your real estate license and how you can come and attend one of my workshops where I share about my, my first four income streams. And, um, so that would Facebook and Google would be the best places. Okay. And you have quite a lot of, um, really great YouTube videos as well, right? 
You're, yep. Yeah. Who are I, those videos mostly for? It will vary as the YouTube videos are either specific to our real estate sales division or specific to my training and coaching division. Okay. So I know we've did, I know there were a lot of things that you mentioned that you love about your ADHD looking back. What do you think is something you love the most? I think it's the verbal processing and that brainstorming. I choose not to use the word scatterbrained anymore. I, I, I like brainstorming and I took my strength finders, right? And, I, and it, it confirmed I'm a storyteller and I'm a brainstormer. <laughs> and I think the other one was coach and believer. And so looking back, I really am grateful for the gift because I feel that it allowed me to brainstorm. It allowed me to dream and to imagine what could be possible. And because of that, I... I, you know, I, I now look back and I, I can see that I have so many things in my life right now because I, I prayed and believed that they could be true and, and that I'm grateful for. Oh, I love that. I think that's a, a really great way to look at that ADHD quality of, um, we tend to be storytellers. I always think of it as like oversharing and impulsively <laughs> blurting things out. But you you painted it in that much nicer picture. Um, well, I'm just so impressed with what a hard worker you are and and how much success you brought on yourself. Well, well deserved. And I love that you're able to connect it all to the ADHD in your life. And I think you know that's why I was so excited about interviewing women because I just feel like I have been exposed to so many incredible, creative, successful women who all have ADHD and credit it. And I'm learning so much about myself through interviewing women like you. And I'm having such a ball um, meeting you and, and, you know, being able to put this podcast together. So thank you so much for agreeing to, speak with me and talk with me and, and share your story. Thanks so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure to get to know you too. And, and like I said, I, I just, I appreciate the fact that I've found a tribe of women in particular that are, are willing to see the positive in this and the silver lining and, um, and that we can encourage each other and collaborate together and support each other. So I, I really do appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. There you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Women and ADHD podcast. Also, as you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower, and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at women and ADHD. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. 
That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo-yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage. Take care till then.